Good morning and welcome to another In My Feels. Today I think I'm going to be talking about highly evolved beings. I've recently read or reread Conversations with God book part three. It's a book that's you know heavily influenced my life as previous episodes have um, can attest. And I guess the thing that's really resonated with me is in terms of highly evolved beings and how we are insanely far from that which I'm going to dive in more on. But, you know, before we begin, thoughts, feelings, emotions, conditionings, beliefs, everything on the inside creates your outside exterior. So again, uh, my question for you is, how are you feeling right now in this moment? And kind of really take a step back, really dive in, really take a moment, because I feel like we're always rushing everything to to, uh, ask yourself how you're feeling, understand how you're feeling. Enjoy the question. I enjoy it. I ask myself all the time how I'm feeling. Yesterday, I was feeling a little, um, I guess, grumpy or moody, and I couldn't figure out why. So I spoke about it. I spoke about it until until I shed light on it, until it went away. So what do I mean by highly evolved beings? So there is highly evolved beings on our planet, of course, but I'm mainly in terms of references to conversation with God, God or goddess or whoever's talking about highly evolved beings and cultures in general. So this could be other planets, other life forms, everything else, which I do believe. I mean, with how much magic there is in the world with manifesting and everything else. And, you know, we are the creators of our existence. I know there's life on other planets. And I will dive in on more on that on on future episodes and have guests on to really dive into that kind of spectrum or that that side of universal life. So I'm going to dive in on kind of the principles of of kind of what Conversation God book says and, and just kind of elaborate. And this falls into my previous episodes of the collective consciousness and, you know, we're all one and and those type of things. So basic principles of highly evolved beings is we are all one. You know, every choice, ethics, etc. are based on this principle. We are all one. And I know we are all one because, again, when I spoke about relationships and it's not about the duration of a relationship determines the success. It's about the quality of the relationship determines the success. And I think that has to be our basic principle for relationships. But even when, you know, if I think about something, my wife will say it. If, if I think about something, my daughter will say it and, and vice versa. And we are becoming super aligned with that kind of mentality and that collectiveness of kind of, I guess, reading each other's minds. It sounds like magic and hocus pocus, but this is what's happening because we've been together for for a very long time. And these are the the kind of traits and the openness that we are kind of experiencing. And this falls into my, my experience and evidence that we are all one. We're all connected practically, spiritually, emotionally, and we are collectively, you know, creating this universe together. The second principle is everything in the one interrelates. Under this principle, no one member or species could or would keep something from another simply because he or she had it first, or it's his possession, or in short supply. The mutual dependency of all living things in the species system is recognized or honored. The relative needs of every species within the system are always kept in balance. Why? Because they always kept in mind. Now, if we think about the kind of environmental impact that we collectively have on the environment you know the chopping of the rainforests the decimation of our seas the the overfishing the ecosystem and how we're single-handedly well i guess collectively we're destroying everything all at the same time but highly evolved beings or highly evolved societies they don't have that because all those things and all those issues are always kept in mind so when they are doing something they're kept in mind of the overall balance of 
their a their collective consciousness and b the the universal balance of everything on earth so for example you know we we chop down i mean toilet paper for a perfect example we make toilet paper to wipe our asses out of potential oxygen it's a mind-blowing concept and we do this with everything because we you know it's the it's that kind of theory that we are the superior dominant species when we have to understand that we are all collectively one with everything Another principle is um, highly evolved beings can live for a very long time. And when I read this in in the book, this kind of a very long time is in immortal, almost like they live forever or as long as they wish to live, quote unquote, in physical form. And this makes sense because if you think about our polluted water, air, land and soil, what we do to our bodies with alcohol, etc. And what we know about manifesting is real in every aspect and detail. So why wouldn't the idea of living quote, as nothing truly dies, unquote, forever also be true. I used to struggle with this concept of can we live forever? And now I come to the realization it doesn't fucking matter because nothing ever dies. And I understand this because we as humans put opposites onto everything. If birth is life, then death is also life. There is never an off switch for life. And now if you're talking about the highly evolved beings and and if you can manifest which you can everything in your life your whole existence is manifested the way you look the things that are attracted into your life whether that's love relationships money jobs careers you are the physical creator creating your outside experience from inside yourself now if you could drop certain aspects of i guess the conditionings of being a human for example when we celebrate a birthday Every, you know, it's this concept, and I only realized this concept when, when I had a daughter, because when you're in the, the playground or the park and there's other kids around, the parents would always ask, how old is your child? And that concept of how old. So I always ask when I ask someone, how young is your child? Because no one's ever really old. It's just the concept that we put on. So what happens when we condition ourselves to believe one more year has passed, one more year closer to our body's aging? And this is the conditioning we have, highly evolved beings or societies in other planets or places on earth or, or wherever you want to call it. They don't have that notion of age because the body is limitless. And if our manifestations are limitless, which they are, you cannot separate any of it. And I love that concept, you know, when you used to read about people pushing to live, live forever or inventing things or bringing people back from the dead or all these type of things without understanding that we already have that. So we are life manifesting life. There is no death aspect to it. And that's only from my previous experience and my kind of relationship towards death and the fear that I used to have to it. Now I have an acceptance to it that it's not anything permanent. It's just a transformation of physical form into spiritual form. And this goes back to my, my obviously previous episode of, I guess, since reading this chapter in this book, understanding that we are a super primitive society, super primitive. We're not highly evolved at all. Technologically, maybe, but we can fall into the problem of technology taking over the kind of humanness. And you're seeing that now with the kind of, you know, the metaverse, the Facebook, the kind of virtual reality and this kind of escapism of physical reality into virtual reality. When the only thing we have to do is go within to explore ourselves, to understand that we create all of our reality. And, you know, human beings have been trying to solve problems at the doingness level for a very long time without much success. That's because true change is always made at the level of being, not doing. 
the idea that Earth exists for the exploitation of the dominant species is an example. I mean, is a tree equal to a human? Not equal needs, but both are needed to survive, just like everything in this universe. We get our air from the trees. You know, uh, we breathe out carbon dioxide. You know, trees survive on carbon dioxide and then they produce oxygen. It's this kind of oneness that I'm talking about, which we don't keep in mind about anything we do. So when we, you know, wipe our ass with toilet paper, that's oxygen that we are wasting. It's, again, mad concepts of the, of the kind of survival of the fittest, which I'm going to dive into as well. We cannot change anything until we are accountable for everything. So if the planet's fucked, it's because of us. Collectively, consciously, our actions or, you know, lack of action, not keeping things in mind when we do certain things. Like when you, you know, have paper plates and a paper cup at a party, that's a fucking tree. I am part of the problem. This is what I'm trying to bring awareness to. And this is something I'm bringing awareness to today. And we have to change our idea about who we are in relationship to our environment before we can ever act or attract anything differently. And again, it's the accountability aspect. Once we're accountable for everything in our lives, then we can make a change for the worldly change and collective change. And that's what I'm trying to do with this show is build accountability amongst our collective consciousness and our listeners and really create something powerful within us and our thought processes to manifest something for the greater good. Another thing about highly evolved beings, thank you, Conversations with God, great book. Please, if you haven't read it, read it, reread it. Let it become, I guess it's become, I wouldn't say Bible, because Bible has such a derogatory meaning for me, personally. I guess it's become a, like a manual to kind of look upon and for help, I guess. You know, I, I guess I attracted that that help from, from the things I talk about and it resonates so deeply within me and the things I speak about and the things I believe in or want to believe in. Highly evolved beings live in unity. Can we say we do? I don't think we do. Clearly not, as you can see, the collective consciousness of the planet and that we, we see each other as very much separate from each other, which manifests into this great divide, which we're seeing now, you know, the vaccinated, unvaccinated, the up, the down, the left, the right. It's, it's this kind of mad separation, which is the kind of lockdown aspect of it and everything else, we are now in this habitual habit, this pattern of seeing ourselves as individuals instead of as a collective. But I and we are changing that by listening to this podcast, applying those thought processes to everything in your life to understand that if you hurt somebody else, you are hurting yourself because we are all one. This is another kind of um, thing that I love which I've never really looked at before. Highly evolved beings understand that the physical planet is not something that can be possessed by anyone. And how many of us act in this way? I know I do. For example, my wife, my child, my house, my land, my money, mine, 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 mine. Such an unspiritual approach to life. And it attracts everything that comes with that to me, which which. When I said that, sounded negative. We have to step out of that conditioning, mind, 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 and into awareness. Ours. We are one. There's enough for everybody. And to understand, which I'm coming to the notion, that everything is perfect. And we live in a universe that manifests anything we need without the need to possess. It's such a strange notion, you know, this kind of possessiveness that we have created. I guess it comes from the, the competition of uh, the more I get, the more successful I feel. But it should be about the collective, it should be about the oneness. It should be about everybody and everything. Another thing that the book mentions, which I, this statement like astounded me. It was incredible. Highly evolved beings never worry or stress. 
hate or feel rage, jealousy or panic. And this, I mean, initially sounded sane to me, but also at the same time sounds very logical. Remember the emotions I spoke about in previous podcasts? Emotions that are suppressed emotions. Rage manifests from suppressed anger. Jealousy from suppressed envy. You know, the list goes on. You know, love, fear, grief, is, is, they're all natural emotions, but they all fall in the spectrum of love and fear. So you have love and fear, then under those spectrums you have grief, anger, and envy. And it makes perfect sense. They don't suppress those emotions. How many of us suppress anger, which becomes rage? Rage where, the, you know, we can't control those actions. And when we suppress envy, when you see someone doing amazing, it should inspire you to do equally amazing things. Not to be jealous of what that person has, because when you suppress envy, it becomes jealousy. And then if you think about it scientifically, if those things, for example, stress, hate, rage, jealousy, or panic don't exist in highly formed beings, then they, they do not produce biochemical reactions in the body that eat away and destroy it. The term is literally eating itself. And we know this to be true scientifically. When you stress about something, it changes the biochemistry of your body which creates illnesses and ailments and issues and physical manifestations in your body, which are warning signs for you to change. And most people do the, the thing of, you know, changing physically. I'm going to change what I eat. I'm going to change this, change that. But they don't change their mental state. They don't change the negativity in their life. They don't change the stress aspect. They do everything else but what their body is telling them to do. This one I love because I've always, I've always believed in this. Highly evolved beings feel no shame or guilt. These to me are such wasted thought processes and fall back in line that we have fallen out of love with ourselves and need to start liking becoming best friends with ourselves and this is because you know why guilt and shame is is wasted because it is something that is imposed outside of ourselves which we then take internalized and i and i and i see this a lot with my daughter and everything else you know our children ashamed of their bodies or bathroom bathroom habits not until we teach them to be you know you shouldn't be naked you shouldn't do this you know Going to the toilet, taking a, taking a dump, all these type of things, a dirty, dirty, all this type of stuff. We are conditioning ourselves to feel shame or guilt by externalizing these things. These things are externalized, which affect us internally. We have to change that. We have to stop feeling ashamed and guilt. It's not an easy thing to do. I used to feel guilty about certain things. Now I don't feel guilt. I don't, it's, it's a wasted emotion because I've learned about awareness. I've learned about awareness within myself. And I know that these things are societal because it's something that society labels something as guilty or ashamed or these things, which we then internalize. And it creates the karma effect of you put something out and it keeps going. Not that it comes back around to you because yeah, you attract that emotion and that feeling you attracted it in order for it to become karma anyway. And we have to, we have to, have to, have to step from a place of surface level emotions to really diving in on internalized, educating ourselves about our emotions and understanding them and knowing that we control them. Yes, the outside world may, may say something to you that makes you feel ashamed of your body or bad at yourself and all these type of things, but it's you internalizing it. Fuck them is what I say. Fuck society. Let's build our own society. Let's build our own collective consciousness. If you was to be born again right now with everything you know now and to actually explore your mental state, your spirituality, all those type of things, that's the collective consciousness we need to get to. But it takes time. 
we'd be living the way we have been living our whole entire lives. And it's only until we make the collective change and the change within ourselves to really be who we want to be in this moment. It's a beautiful, beautiful concept. And I love it. And this is the way I'm, I'm practicing within myself. I'm reconditioning myself every day, every day, every day, working on my mental state every day until I can change that consistent thought process of negativity into positivity. And, and you'll notice a plateau because we say something to, negative to ourselves 24-7 all the time. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not all these type of things that we condition ourselves to be. Now, if we was to say the opposite, I am great. I do feel good. I am beautiful. I am happy. I am loved. I am the, and then if you, I mean, every day, can you imagine the new, the needle will turn and then you'll be hitting a neutral point, maybe 40, 50 days. And then after that neutral point, then it will start to go into the positive point. And this is where the cycle begins. This is where real life starts. Highly evolved beings. Also know the notion of not hurting one another. As to understand the basic principle that we are all one would mean hurting someone else actually means you're hurting yourself. You do harm to someone else. You're doing harm to yourself because we're all one. We're all connected. We are all like attracts like. This is what happens in the universe. It's the accountability factor. We are all one. We can only manifest, I can only manifest for myself, just as you can manifest for yourself, but collectively we're all manifesting as a whole too. So all my individual manifestations are equaling up to the whole manifestations of everybody else too, just as your individual manifestations are adding to the collective consciousness of the universe. And this is going to, this is keeping, this is going forever and ever and ever until how many ideas have ever been placed in society and everything else. And imagine other life on other planets ideas and their collective consciousness. And we're adding to that to the whole spectrum of the universe. It's actually a fascinating thing. Very fascinating. This one I love because this almost kind of, you know, I work in music and everything else. But it, it can seem like such a competitive space. Not enough for everybody. Um, you know, there's too many female artists. There's too many male artists. There's too many this genre. There's too many that genre. Market share. Profits. This, the competition is insane. And I have somewhat removed myself from that because I understand there's enough for everybody. And we have to step into that awareness of abundance. There is technically, scientifically, enough for everybody. We just have a limited view on what enough for everybody is. That's why most of the world's wealth is with the 1% and the rest of the 99% is not. Because we have limited view on what abundance is. Highly evolved beings have no competition and they don't compete. They realize when one loses, everybody loses. Now hear this. We think, and this is an extraordinary thought, that someone winning while another is losing is considered entertainment. I'm going to repeat that again. The extraordinary thought that someone winning while another is losing is considered entertainment. Highly evolved beings share everything. We compete with everything in our lives. Everything is a competition. Employment, promotion, money, wealth, status, uh, Instagram followers, social media likes, or everything in our whole life is a competition. Our kids do sports day. You know, when I was growing up, it used to be, if you do well, you get a star. So we were competing for a fucking star, a little sticker star. What? Clearly enough for everybody, but we're not taught that. We're, we're not conditioned to be that. Which brings me on to my next, my next principle. 
which is society and the survival of society is based on survival of the fittest. And I'm going to read this from Conversation with God because it's such a great kind of chapter and paragraph. It's book three. One of your most basic ones is survival of the fittest. This might be called your second guiding principle. It underlies everything your society has created. It's economics, it's politics, it's religions, it's education, it's social structures. Yet to a highly evolved being, the principle itself is an oxymoron. It is self-contradicting. Since the fittest, since the first guiding principle of a highly evolved being is we are all one, the one is not fit until the all is fit. Survival of the fittest is, therefore, impossible or the only thing that is possible, therefore a contradiction, since the fittest is not fit until it is. Beautiful statement. I'm like, who, who, the, like, who the fuck is this? It's, you call it God, goddess, a higher consciousness, uh, the universe talking to you or whatever. But it's this notion of the survival of the fittest, which is what runs our lives, which is what we're conditioned to believe. You know, it's, it's that kind of the free market, one for all and all for one. This is what we should be, but we're not at all. I'm going to repeat that again. The first guiding principle of a highly evolved being is we are all one. The one is not fit until the all is fit. Survival of the fittest is therefore impossible or the only thing that is possible, therefore a contradiction, since the fittest is not fit until it is. So if we think about we are all one, one member of society or all of us one is sick, we are all sick. If someone is unhappy, as with collective consciousnesses, we are all unhappy. No one should go without. No one should be made to feel separate from society or alone or any of these type of things. And it's up to us collectively, consciously to raise our awareness and raise our accountability to understand the power we have within and really, really move forward into a new spectrum or a new universal thought process and get rid of the conditions of previous, I guess, incarnations. Because we've created history. And the difference is history has not been plagued by truth. So we see one side of history. We need to learn the other side of history so that we can keep learning from our mistakes and growing and evolving. That is the evolution of our species. And I think I'm going to end it there. I really enjoyed this one. I think the chapter really resonated. I woke up and was like, I, I, I'm not sure what to say. I was feeling really good about myself. And it, it kind of just fell into place. But again, you know, I really want to hear from you. I'm getting great messages and, I, and I'm trying to respond to everyone. Leave me um, feedback on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review. Subscribe. Hit me up. I'm here. Peace.